Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 12th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Chris Hummer. We are actually recording late Monday, January 11th as Alabama wraps up what will be national title number 18. Chris, we'll, uh, there's like four minutes left in this game. It's 52-24 right now. We'll put the final score in the show title, but I think everyone out there can can figure out the final score as needed. It was a close game for a little bit, and then it became a blowout in which Alabama's talent edge over Ohio State was just it was just too much. It, it, Devontae Smith, even in one half, just too much. I think that was my takeaway, Chris, was just the, the greatness that we watched tonight from Devontae in, in his 12-catch, uh, 215-yard, three-touchdown showing. What caught your eye? <laughs> Frankly, a lot of greatness across the board. Uh, we were having this debate in kind of the 24-7 sports Slack channel about greatest offenses ever. I don't really think this is the group. I think LSU's offense that we saw a year ago was better. But when you just look at like what's on paper with this offense, so you have a Joe Mora winning offensive line, including Alex Leatherwood, who won a trophy for best um, offensive lineman this season individually. You have the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddle, who played a couple snaps tonight, despite the fact he was hobbling all over the field, is going to be a first-round receiver. John Mechie might well be a first-round receiver in the future. Najee Harris is a first-round running back. Mac Jones is a first-round quarterback. And you put that all together with Steve Sarkeesian, a future Texas head coach calling plays, and Nick Saban, the greatest kind of college football coach ever, kind of looming over it all. And it's just, it's an incredible group of talent. And I've, I've been texting back and forth with some college football coaches tonight, kind of just asking questions about like, how is this offense working? How can you stop this? And the consensus kind of is you just, you're kind of screwed. Like one coach literally told me that a former Saban assistant, actually, like there's just no way to go about stopping that. You either have to commit to the blitz and hope that the receivers don't beat you off the line and Mac Jones can't make a quick decision, or you have to drop back and hope they make a mistake. And Alabama just doesn't do anything like that. And it, turned out to what it was tonight, which is an Alabama blowout. And this offense just looking incredibly and historically significant. It's just, it's an amazing, it's an amazing offense, an amazing team. I think it would have been even uglier had Alabama not actually committed that rare mistake. The Mac Jones fumble, Baron Browning stripped him on the 20. Ohio State turned it into a touchdown to, I believe, tie the game. And at, at that point, like Bama wasn't, wasn't going to be stopped. Alas, Bama pulls away. Didn't even need Devontae Smith in the second half. Uh, that, that hand injury, finger injury, we're not sure exactly what it is, but obviously was serious enough to keep the best collegiate receiver maybe ever off the field. I was a little annoyed in the first half with how Ohio State was defending Devontae Smith. And so here's like here's the thing with Bama that you mentioned all those weapons, and I love that you we bring up 2019 LSU because it's the exact same thing. There's just no defense for it. We all know the long touchdown for Devontae Smith right before the end of the first half tonight. Tough Borland, the middle linebackers on Devontae Smith. That's not what Ohio State wanted to do. I want to get Devontae Smith on the guy who has no prayer of covering him. And that's what that's what Alabama and Steve Sarkeesian were doing. And, and credit to Mac Jones, who I, I haven't been like this massive believer in all season. I, his talent's not what a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields is, but he really doesn't make mistakes through the air. And he gets the ball where it needs to go. And they just they had an expert game plan for for this tonight. Ohio State, they just had no chance. And it's if if Waddle had been at full strength, if Mac Jones hadn't had that fumble, like this thing would have been ugly. I was thinking this morning, Chris, like, you know, when picking the game and Bama's an eight and a half point favorite and, and all that stuff, there was some part of me that was thinking this could be like oh four 
Oklahoma USC where it's just it's just a blowout. It's it, you think it's going to be good and it's it's not. I and I think it I think it turned into that. I think it's a little concerning that we we've had blowout title games the last three years now. Uh, the last good title game we had was was Alabama's walk off against Georgia, and I, I think you know over the offseason we can un, unpack that. Where's the parity, whatever. But if, if there's no parity between Alabama and Ohio State, who are at the top of the rankings and recruiting and, and the talent each year, then I think I think that leads us to the logical conclusion that this Alabama team, as you said, is just simply one of the best ever. Unquestionably. And I, I think you made a good point with like these teams that are supposed to be among the most talented in the country not matching up well. And a big reason why Ohio State had a tough time. You mentioned tough Borland. Like a big reason Ohio State had a tough time matching up tonight is because they just didn't have the numbers at DB. And this is this is the modern DBU. They did not have the numbers at. You DB. about to go with Sean Wade? Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. you well, not 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 even about Sean. Well, Sean Wade, sure. I think, is certainly a little overrated. As no, a I, I think his draft. Player. Yeah, I think his draft stock. I was texting he's, Charles Power, former twenty four seven sports employee. He was like mid round safety. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's one hundred percent. He's a nickel or is a safety. Like I think he was a very good nickel. We're getting off subject. He was a very good nickel. Last year, playing next to Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda, I think as the number one outside cornerback for Ohio State this year, he got exposed. But I think it's the overall depth of the secondary that was really the issue. They mentioned it a couple times in the broadcast, and it's very noticeable. Ohio State does not take three linebackers off the field. Most defenses against an Alabama offense like this, where they're spreading it out the way they are, are going to run some form of dime, some form of nickel, where you have five or six DBs on the field at all times. Ohio State wasn't doing that, and they just didn't have the personnel to do it. And when Ohio State, I think our third most talented team in the country uh, for the 24-7 sports team talent composite, doesn't have the horses to match up with Alabama, it speaks volumes about how talented this Alabama team is. It's just overwhelming. Uh, final score just went live. Alabama 52, Ohio State 24. I like how I'm announcing this like a, an election result or something. So that what is that? That gives Nick Saban, that gives him seven national titles with six being at Alabama. And Bear Bryant also has six at Alabama. So if Saban's winning one every four years and he wants to do it for at least, you know, let's say through Bryce Young's career, stands to reason he's going to pass the bear. But but he's already he, he's already the best ever. Yeah, he's he's the I don't really think there's much of an argument here. I don't have the stats in front of me, but he is the unquestioned goat. I don't really understand how you could argue against Nick Saban when you consider that Nick Saban has so many more hurdles in this era of college football than Bear Bryant ever had to contend with when he was kind of the head coach at Alabama. Like we could probably dedicate an entire well, podcast. To no, that. So so I, I want you when you're when you're talking about Saban being the goat, can you? expand on what you're what you're writing tonight in your postgame coverage and you wrote this a few years ago when Saban changed quarterbacks at halftime and maybe I could say that was a little bit late to go to Tua it almost cost you you know it uh, you you were almost a half too late but you wrote then about Saban's ability to adapt uh, Saban's obviously done that and I think college football and at the SEC in particular has, has followed in his in his changing of the ways but can you tell us a little bit about what you're writing tonight I think a really good way to lead into that is a quote Jimbo Fisher told me after the 2017 national championships. So after second and 26 to um, Devontae Smith as freshman, uh, Jimbo Fisher told me there's a lot of deep thought in what Nick Saban does. He has a feel for the game and the momentum of things. He has a very wide view. He's not scared to make those calls. That was a quote in reference to switching from Jalen to Tua. But I think it can kind of be applied across Nick Saban's entire career. 
I'm diving into the aspect of Nick Saban that I don't think is fully appreciated. We talk about the talent. We talk about the national championships. We talk about the overwhelming kind of success he's had in his career, but we don't talk about his malleability, his ability to change. And I think a really eyebrow raising stat for that is, so Nick Saban's first national championship at Alabama. So that Texas versus Alabama in 2009 at the Rose Bowl, I guess, early 2010. Greg McElroy finished that game six for 11 with 58 yards passing Julio Jones finished that game with one catch for 23 yards and Alabama won that national championship. Let's look at tonight's numbers kind of in comparison to that. Mac Jones went 36 for 45 for 464 yards and five touchdowns. Devonte Smith had 215 yards and three touchdowns uh, receiving. We're only separated by 12 years there. That's like a 12 year bracket in time where Nick Saban has won six national championships at Alabama. And those things could not be more diametrically opposed. That is a completely different offense. It's a completely different era of football. Yet here we are 12 years later, Nick Saban still sits atop the college football world. And I think you really have to give him credit for his ability to adapt throughout his career. I think it's the really underrated part of success kind of throughout this run that Alabama's had, which is, our, is for my money, is the greatest dynasty in college football history without much question. And just a newsflash, if Alabama signs either Terry and Arnold, uh, top 247 safety or uh, number Two, number three overall player in the 24-7 sports composite, JT Tui Molowau. In signing day in, in three weeks, they'll be the best recruiting class ever statistically. The 2021 will be passing 2010 Florida. So it's not t- slowing down any time. Chris, before we hop off. I just kind of wanted to, real quick before we move on, wanted to build on that adaptability point. We talk about the offense all the time, but I don't think people remember in 2014, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban totally overhauled their defense, kind of deal with more modern spread offenses as well. So this happens throughout Nick Saban's career. And I just, I, I really think it's a really important kind of thing to kind of take away from the night, but I'm sorry for interrupting. Well, you don't have to apologize, but you mean by that they took more defensive linemen off the field and, and, and they, they slimmed down. Yeah. Well, not even just more defensive linemen. Like we do not have 240 pound linebackers plugging up the a gap anymore for Alabama. They moved to linebackers like Ruben Foster, who could kind of scrape across the top and kind of defend the pass when needed. Uh, Dylan Moses and Christian Harris have struggled in that regard this year, but Nick Saban really, really kind of adapted the way he runs his defense in the middle of last decade. And that allowed uh, Alabama to kind of push forward as well. So the guy has made change after change in his career when it's needed. And I think a lot of people just think of it as this machine that just keeps rolling, but Nick Saban's constantly tinkering. He's constantly taking things apart. He's constantly popping open the hood to kind of examine and see what he can make better. Like this is, Nick Saban's baby and he is always changing. And I think that's such an important reason as to why this has gone on for as long as it has. He'll have to adapt again. They lose a lot. They're going to lose Steve Sarkeesian. There's some reports that Steve Sarkeesian wants to bring defensive coordinator Pete Golding with him to Texas, regardless. We know the names they're losing, but, but, but I I mentioned the recruiting class. They're going to have Bryce young. He's ready chomping at the bit to be the guy in 2021. I think they'll be all right. Uh, I think they will still be preseason number one for just about everybody for Ohio state. And then we'll wrap this thing up, Chris, and we'll have all off season to, you know, Look forward to Ohio State, and I'm really excited about a normal offseason um, to actually preview teams and not preview will this team be playing. 7-1, and one, team was definitely a success. Do you think if they had had more games played, Chris, had they had a, a September football, October football, totally gotten in gear, this team would have presented more of a challenge for Bama tonight, or was this team the team? Like I, In the preseason, we thought Ohio State might be number one. 
something clearly never clicked into place. I think it was defensively. Do you think it would have mattered? I, I don't mean to be that guy, but I definitely had Alabama as my number one team. Going yes, you did. Season. I, yes, you did. I didn't think there was much question, but just given the talent. But I, honestly, I would have loved to seen a full strength Ohio State defensive front. Ohio State did pretty well kind of defending Najee Harris and containing him for most of the game. I think his yards per well, carry sort of. yeah. is somewhat respectable when you consider that line. He averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Rushing. Yeah. I mean, he, not Najee, as a receiver. Had, Najee had 80 yards receiving, but yeah. But if, yeah. Yeah. If they had their, if they had the full kind of strength in the interior, Tonga is one of the best nose tackles in the country. I think he could have made a difference, but like, we're not talking. What is that? 28 points here. Like it wouldn't have mattered. And I just, I don't think Ohio State ever had the, horses in the secondary to make this happen this year they were just that was always a weak point for them and it'll be interesting to see how they reload that position next year but i I just think alabama was the best team in the country by a pretty significant margin this year and i don't really think a full season from ohio state would have made a big difference in that regard tomorrow's podcast i'll be talking to brad crawford about our way too early top 25 i have ohio state at five they lose a ton justin fields is not as easily replaceable as mac jones is no offense to mac jones and then defensively they're just there's just some talent deficiencies that they have to make up but regardless the season is over finally what a what a year it was alabama uh, just like as many other seasons seasons have ended ends as the national title chris we'll let you go and let you get back to riding i think we've made all the salient points that we can my eyes are bleeding i feel like i've been on my phone for the last nine hours straight um and i've got a lot of crazy stats and and you know takes swirling around in my head but i I think this is i think this is one of the best teams we've ever seen for sure and no doubt. And by the way, just congrats to everyone for we got through the college football season. It was crazy. Uh, we didn't know if it was going to happen at some points, but it was it was great to have football this year. Like it's been awesome, and I can't wait for twenty twenty one. Yeah, I wish I could tell August me that it's going to be all right, and that and that you're going to have a, a, <laughs> a lot less stress podcast. for sure. A lot less stress, man. That would have that would have been great. All right. Well, anyway, it's it's, fu- it's funny how normal this year turned out. Anyway, it's just Alabama wins another national championship. It's kind of the stamp that usually happens on a not so weird year. So it's kind of I know. Fitting. Well, hopefully the next time we do a reaction podcast to a football game, there will have been many more fans in the stands in a safe fashion. We will, you know, we will have uh, players not being announced as out a few hours before kickoff. We will have uh, just, uh, they said on the broadcast, Fowler and Herbster did like the pageantry will be back in college football. I cannot wait for it. Uh, this year was weird. I'm glad we had it. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I cannot wait for 2021. So anyway, Chris Hummer, thanks for joining us. Lance Glenn, our producer. Thanks for putting this thing together. My name is Trey Scott. We'll be back on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily talking about the way too early top 25.